start of church time live streamers it's good to have you y'all that braved the potential torrential rain and high winds even though it's not really happening it's good to have you come on in grab a seat let's get rolling tonight how about you turn around and high five everybody it's with an arm reach of you everybody if you have to move a little bit go ahead we'll high five the live streamers good to have you but come on in uh, I have some announcements for you as we're getting settled in. Don't forget, don't forget, turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget. Friday night, Good Friday, time of reflection from 6 to 8 p.m. You can come at any time during that 6 to 8, spend as much time in reflection as you want. There'll be six stations as we are remembering the crucifixion of Jesus on Friday. Then Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, we're going to come and celebrate our risen Savior together. Uh, there will be a breakfast for us, a light breakfast that will start about 9.15 and run up till 10 o'clock, then be put away. Um, so, but invite somebody out. Uh, by the way, Sunday is a one big family Sunday on Easter. We always keep our kids with us for the service on Easter. We can celebrate together, just so you're aware of that. Uh, so it's going to be a great day, so have somebody with you on Sunday. Also, uh, the men's event on April 14th, Friday night. The women's event on April 29th, the Saturday. Sign up for those at the back. If you have questions about the men's event, you can see me. Or ask Margo, she just left, if she comes back. Okay, so you can see her later, all right? Other than that, how about we worship Jesus together tonight, amen? How about we stand up on our feet let's do that.
it's good to have you. I always wonder during this time what the live streamers do, if they're like high-fiving their family members, their cats, dogs, I don't know. Maybe running to get a snack, right? Popcorn for the message. Wouldn't that be great? No, it wouldn't. Not here, right? Jenny, can you imagine if we gave popcorn out during the messages? Wouldn't that be terrible? Wouldn't you clean? Um, yeah, that'd be terrible. You and, you and the team would quit. Jenny and the cleaning team would just quit. <laughs> All right, I know that I think everybody's getting back up and checking their kids in. Tithe and offerings, if you have something tonight, uh, offering all those and chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around and our faithful ushers will get you on. But uh, listen, listen, I know, I know sometimes finances get tight. And sometimes that's because life is happening. Sometimes the economy does crazy stuff, and that's just the nature of economies and, and countries. They do stuff. But never stop being a giver. Amen? The Bible says whoever sows sparingly, it's talking about finances, will reap sparingly. Whoever gives generously will reap generously. Don't, don't ever feel that you can't give. And I'm not, I'm not saying it because, well, preachers say that stuff because they're trying to get your money. No, no, no. I'm just giving you a life principle to keep you within God's work in your life. And part of it is we believe God's our provider, but God, God has a hard time providing for somebody that's greedy. And I think, I think why well, I have an excuse. To, well, I understand there's things get crazy sometimes, but I think sometimes our worry about finances is, is as bad as our greed about finances. Sometimes your stress about your finances causes you to do things you wouldn't normally do because worry doesn't fix nothing, but it changes your today, right? So um, never stop the attitude, the heart, the life of giving. Never stop, no matter, no matter where you're at. And, and we, we could tell uh, lots of stories about, it's not like when we got married, we were, we were living, you know, high on the hog or anything. That wasn't happening. I mean, we were... And we were making it, but we weren't, I'm not even sure we would have been considered middle class at that point. And we are now, but not then. But we still gave. It never stopped us from giving in life, you know. Because your, your giving is not dependent upon the state of your finances. Your giving is dependent upon the state of your heart. Is that Correct. And God then sees the state of your heart and responds to the state of your heart, right? So life is, life is part of a journey of faith, and it involves your entire uh, being and actions of life, including your bank account. Your, what you do with your money says a lot about you. Isn't that correct? What you, how you spend your money, where you spend your money, what you do with your money, it says a lot about you. It's a reflection you can't, your, your finance is one way your heart is exposed to other people. All right? So never stop with the attitude in the heart of giving regardless of what is happening in your life at the moment. Okay? Amen? All right, so after saying that, let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you are ever providing for us. You are ever present in our life in all phases and stages and areas of our life, Lord, and finances are a part of that. 
Lord, I pray that you continue to grow each one of us into the life of giving. And part of the reason of the tithe and the offering is to do that. Lord, that we respond to the increase in our life with our tithe. And then when the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and we're, we're impressed upon to give above and beyond, we do so. so Lord, I thank you for that. That uh, our giving is a reflection of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. Bring it if you got it. And let me let me encourage you um, to again this weekend. This is a wonderful weekend to invite people to church. It's a, every Sunday is a good weekend to invite somebody to church. By the way, but especially at these times of year, Christmas, Easter time, uh, these uh, rhythms of, of church calendar are. are uh, um, wonderful times that people are often more open to an invitation. So Good Friday, uh, Resurrection Sunday, this Sunday, invite somebody along, and uh, we're going to expose them to Jesus when they're here. Amen? I was reading something, oh man, a couple months ago, and based on surveys and, and some different things like that, coming out of COVID, it's been shown that people are now more open to the gospel than they have in a long time. When we face things like this, it opens our hearts a little bit. We're open to seek more answers and see things differently. So uh, it's a wonderful time. Uh, we, we pray that God moves and God does things. But what you can do is what you can do and what you should do to partner with what God is doing. Amen. So, invite somebody out this weekend, and, and we'll have a, a good time, not only just us together, but uh, with Jesus. All right, so if you have your Bible, uh, I'll tell you where to go in a couple minutes. Um, friendships, relationships, that's what we're going to be talking about for the next little while, maybe a month, maybe a little more. I want to deal with uh, the topic of relationships. The first subtopic of that is friendships. But as with everything in life, after conversion or after salvation or after surrendering your life to Jesus, uh, our lives are to be defined by Jesus or by what it means to be a Christian, a new life in him. And this also touches how we make, interact, and deepen relationships with other people. Okay, so in, in other words, uh, in other words, you cannot compartmentalize your life. And people, people are very good at this. You, you, you say, well, I surrendered my life to Jesus, right? But yet there is this box in your life you really didn't give to him. Right? And you've kind of kept that space or way of life from him. No, he needs the entire thing. Because the entirety of your life is to reflect who he is. And one of the ways that I see often that people put compartments in their life have to do with relationships. Friendships, uh, those who are dating, um, sometimes certain things in marriages and whatnot. We have a tendency to compartmentalize those things, not allowing the guidance of Scripture 
to guide entirely those areas of your life. So it's kind of like, this is just, a, just an offhand example. If you're a believer and you're dating somebody, but you're sleeping with them and you're not married, that's a violation of Scripture, and you can't excuse it away. And you can't say, well, I know we're going to get married. You can't, you can't break God's laws today for a future promise. In other, in other words, we've got to expose our entire life, including how we interact and live in our relationships, to him and allow him to change us as he intends us to be changed. And, and when we want to compartmentalize certain parts of life and not give everything to him, but yet we go to him for forgiveness in some things, it's sort of cheapening his grace. We want forgiveness, and we want his grace to operate, but then over here we're saying, but you really can't have this. Forgive me over here. Change me over here. But this part, no, 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 I just want to still have this. And that's not the Christian life. So having said that, I want to deal with some things about relationships over the next little while, starting with friendships tonight. But understand this. As a first step in all of this, the great commands that Jesus gave and that sum up the law and the prophets, loving God with everything you have, and then a second command like it, loving your neighbor as yourself, kind of sets us up. Loving God shapes how we interact with our neighbors or those around us. In other words, how we love them, how we treat them, how we respond to them, how we live life with other people is molded and shaped by our growing love with God and then our response to what he is doing in our lives. So good old Martin Luther said something to this effect. I, I didn't look for the, the exact quote, but he said something like this. If you love right, you won't sin. Think about that. It's actually pretty true. And when it comes to relationships, if I learn how to love people right, my neighbors, and all facets of relationships and interactions I have, if I love properly, I won't sin towards them. See what I'm getting at? Because how God is molding us and shaping us teaches us how to be with other people. So something I say a lot, growing in right relationship with God will teach us right relations with other people. But we have to allow the upward effect the outward, what's around. Vertical, uh, dealing with the horizontal. Yeah, that was right. See what I'm getting at? Right relationship with God teaches right relationship with other people. So uh, our Christianity ends up sort of being the guide rails of the relationships in our lives. And I, I can think... Man, I, I was just thinking the other day, I was thinking about friendships. I was thinking about, man, the friends that I had in grade school, I had friends in grade school. Those relationships changed, and I had different friends when I was in high school. And then those relationships hung longer, but then I had friends in college. And, and after I left college, some of those changed. And, and then early on in our marriage, we had friends. And I can walk through life and think of different stages of relationships that we had through life. But the thing is, is that no matter what stage of life you're in, those who call themselves a Christian should be people that are allowing God to change us in ways that affect how we relate with other people. So uh, let's talk about friendships. I asked uh, some people 
not long ago, and I said, if you could ask any question about friendship, what question would you ask? Okay, and so I was sort of looking for a Kickstarter for this series, and I, I got responded to some different questions. So over the next two weeks, I'm going to deal with the following questions. We're not going to get through them tonight, so, but I'm going to tell you what they are so you know what we're in for. Why do I need friends? Is there a bi biblical definition of friendship? Do my friends have to be Christian? That's a good question. Is it possible to have too many friends? How can I be a good friend? And then the ones that aren't in my notes tonight, um, another one was, uh, are friends for life or, or are there times that certain friendships run their course? Uh, another question uh, is, uh, why do I always feel left out? Why am I lonely? Why does it seem like things are clicky and I'm never apart? I'm going to talk about that next week. So let's deal with some friendship uh, issues according to the scriptures. So why do I need friends? That's the first thing we're going to deal with. By the way, I just literally saw this today. I was just randomly I saw this. I was reading something. And I don't know about ladies, but it says one in five men do not have what they consider a friend in their life. I thought that was striking. Is that a bad thing? Is it, is it necessary? But, but let's, let's sort of let's talk about that. Why do I need friends? So here's the thing. We are created as relational beings. Why did God make us? Because God is love. Love has an action. Love has a recipient. That's why God creates. That's why people are here. That's why God creates free will people that can respond to him or not respond to him. Right? You know, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday this week, Jesus died for a whole bunch of people and loves a whole bunch of people that will never respond to him. You know that. He made us for relationship. We are relational beings. The God who makes us is relational in his image. We are also relational. So as human beings, we have relational needs. Uh, and I, I know I brought this up before when talking about the church, but uh, the television show alone, you guys seen it maybe on the History Channel. I love that show. It's an outdoors kind of show. What they do is they, they gather up usually 10 contestants, uh, each contestant gets to pick 10 different tools out of an array of tools or, or uh, different things they can take with them, and they separate them someplace usually up above in Canada on the west coast of Canada where uh, it is the most populated per square mile bear habitat in the world. And they don't have guns, by the way. And they put them out there, drop them off, and they're separated by a few miles, and they say, whoever stays the longest wins and you get like a half a million bucks. So these people are trying to survive alone, absolutely alone, with the tools they have, and, and generally they're either uh, amateur or pro survivalists or whatever. The interesting thing about the show is that the thing that gets a lot of them is being alone. There's a lot of them that could keep surviving but they tap out because they start to go a little because they're by themselves and they have nobody to talk to and nobody to relate to. The ones that make are the ones that kind of don't care. But a lot of them start to have issues with being on. You, you'd be amazed how many times you're watching a show and they're just sitting there crying, they're breaking down crying 
Part of that is because of the lack of relationship. They're missing their family, their, their spouse, their kids. Even if they're not married, they're missing their friends. And See what I'm saying? Because being alone is not good for you. You hear that? Being alone is not good for you. By the way, and this is sort of a point later, one of the underlying reasons the church gathers together is so nobody is ever completely alone. That's one of the underlying reasons the church comes together. So what happens is, uh, if you fall into a place of isolation, that sort of builds upon itself. And you kind of fall down in a hole a little bit. And, and those are places that have a tendency to start to, to make impacts mentally and in your soul. We are meant to be in relationships with other people. Uh, so friends help us fill relational needs in our humanity. God created us, listen, God created us to love other people. He created us to laugh together. He created us to cry together. He created us to support one another, to care for one another, to enjoy one another. Did you notice that God made Adam and it was God and Adam, and that was a great thing, but he still made Eve for Adam. I can make a lot of jokes about it. It would have been better. If, anyways, but anyways, I won't say that. That's a bad joke. But God still made Eve for Adam because when they went through all the animals, no suitable helper or person to join together and do what God purposed for them to do together was there. So God creates Eve, so Adam has relation. And it wasn't just about Adam now in creation. Now Eve has relation too. You see what I mean? So even though God had relationship with Adam, God knew that he needed another being like him, physically in flesh, to live life with. So we need other people. And by the way, there are different closeness of relationships that we have in life. Um, most everyone, but not everybody, but most everyone desires some level of friendship, some level of relating. Uh, different people have different relational needs, but all generally need it. And I'm, I can't speak to all those kind of things, but in a general way, let's just say what we know that people need other people. So you are not meant to live alone. It's, it's funny, uh, and you see this show up in I don't want to say bad ways, but, but ways that kind of accent that we need relationships. So I saw this quite a bit when I was a youth pastor, but even when I started working with adults, I saw the same thing. <laughs> so you, got, you got somebody here that's friends with, and, and people are fighting, well, who's really the, the actual BFF? You know what I'm talking about? You see that kind of relational whatever, kind of a mess. But the reason that stuff happens is because people desire close relationships, and they want to know that they're knit with somebody. They, they want that. But we're made that way. So, why do I need friends? Because God made us to be relational beings. Does that mean you need a lot of friends, by the way? No. So, right now in my life, you're talking people that really know me, people that I will talk to and open up my heart, right? I, I got a guy named Paul. Good friend, I got a guy named, and, and he lives locally. I have a, I have a, 
I have a, a guy that I'm friends with named Mark. He, he's a professor in, uh, in Georgia. And, and I could name some other people, but I, I got, but my, I don't have, I, I'm not sitting here naming 50 people that I would sit down and bear my heart to. You know what I mean? It's not about having a zillion friends, but it is about having relationships that help you be what God intends you to be because the whole iron sharpens iron, you need two iron. Right? Again, that can happen in a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean it has to be close friends, but at the same time, we help build each other in the things of God if we come to it from the perspective of our Christian faith. So, is there a dif biblical definition of friendship? So, uh, yes, but no. There's not a five-point you know, bullet in, in Proverbs or, or someplace where Jesus sat down and said, let me give you the five things that make a good friend. It, you don't find that in the Bible. But you see different points that we can pull together and kind of paint a picture of what a biblical friendship looks like. So, I'm going to hop you through one, two, three, four, six or seven verses right here to highlight some stuff. So let's get ready. Get your Bibles out. Lick your fingers. Get ready to hit those pages. Don't lick your fingers if you're going to use your phone. All right. So let's get into some stuff. So let's take you to a book that I guarantee you don't go to very much. Let's go to the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, chapter 5 and verse number 16. If you didn't know there was such a book, well, you got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Song of Songs. Now, uh, I'm going to read this little snippet here. We're going to stay there, so this stays PG, okay? But I would encourage you, if you're married, read the Song of Psalms together. You'll thank me later, all right? That's all I'm going to say about that. Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter number 5. And verse number 16, again, we'll, we'll just kind of run through this first part of this, get to the second part. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is uh, uh, the, the girl talking about his beloved. This is my beloved, and this is my what? My friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So the first thing I want to say, let's just start right here. Again, this is an if. If you are married... One of the biblical definitions of friendship is you must develop a friendship with your spouse. Let's just start there. Because that is the closest relation of your life. Okay? If you're not married and you want to be, we'll pray for you. But for right now, if you're married, the developing and continue of developing a friendship with your spouse is vital to your life. And I will, I will say this. Let me just throw this little thing in there. Is I will not and I should not develop relationships that hinder my relationship with my spouse. And you should say amen to that. So, so let's just say my friend Paul, and he's been, you've met him before. Let's just say he's always griping and moaning about my wife. Maybe he doesn't like her. He, it's not the case, but I'm just using an example. And every time we hang out, we're out doing something later. Man, your wife's just a pain in my neck. My gosh, she just complains all, you know what I'm talking about? He's just, that should not be. I shouldn't be in relation with somebody that's putting my spouse down. Because that is my primary relationship. Right? Or I will not develop a relationship with a female in a way that would ever hinder my relationship with my spouse. As a matter of fact, 
Uh, and I know there's a lot of stuff out there about this, so take this for what you will, but I will not develop a relationship with a woman the same way I have a relationship with Paul and Mark and those guys. And any time I'm looking to a female for what I should be talking to her about, that's a problem. See what I'm getting at? So, as a married person, my first step of friendship and relationship, strongest bond is my wife, and there should be nothing to come in between of that man or woman. Okay? So I, part of friendship is guarding things, protecting things. And I've got to work to protect my marriage. So that's point number one. So biblically, friendship with my spouse, and I will guard that with proper bounds in my life. Oh, here's another one. 1 Samuel chapter 18. But again, if you're married, head back to that book and spend some time there. Good for you. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Probably one of the most famous uh, friendships that we find in the scripture, Jonathan and David. 1 Samuel 18, verse number 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit, notice that word knit, to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him, or David, from that day and would not let him return to his father Jesse's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul sent him, uh, set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And, and there's much to read about David and Jonathan. There was such a, a strong bond of friendship with those two that even when it became apparent that David was to see Saul as king, it didn't change their relationship. As a matter of fact, Jonathan started looking out for David in spite of his father Saul and what Saul was trying to do to him. See, there is a friendship that we find in life that is the kindredness being knit to somebody, a loyalty that we end up learning how to look out for one another. That we would be able to have friends in our life that we considered knit to. The Bible says there, and I know, I know guys can get weird about saying things like this, but Jonathan loved David. So if you ask me, do you love your friend Paul Mark? I would say, yes, I do. Now, I don't tell them. I don't say, hey, Paul, I love you. I don't do that, okay? But rubber meets the road, I, I do. Because in a certain way, we're knit in friendship, and I have a loyalty to them, and I would do anything for them, right? Pa Paul one time, <laughs> this is a funny story. I'll tell him to watch this later. He, he, he's an outdoors guy like me. He was out behind his house making a fire. It wasn't going fast enough. Chuck gas on it. Bad move. And it kind of woof and came back and got him. Eyebrows, everything, burned his hands. So he was in the hospital recovering. And this is kind of, see, okay, so I am the kind of friend that when you hurt yourself, chances are I'll chuckle. Okay? How many of you are like me? I, you're okay, but I'm still going to kind of, you know what I'm saying? 
I walk into the hospital room, and he's sitting there, and he looks like he has these mitten bandages on it. And I walk in, and I start laughing, because he's let, it was just funny looking. Anyhow, um, but I spent some time, I spent the hospital, the girls had a, the next, two days later, they had a trip planned to go away, but Paul couldn't stay by himself, because he couldn't use his hands. I went and sat with Paul. They were making fun of us, because I was cutting his pizza up and giving it to him. He said, yo, it was a funny thing. When I was in the hospital with cancer, he spent the night with me. So she could go home and get rest. We spent a lot of times on, on the river together and in the woods together and hiking. He's just my friend. Mark, we, we, we are not together, but we call on the phone, we Zoom, we talk. Encourage one another. There is a friendship that is knitting together that as being married, it goes beyond my marriage, okay? But that God uses us for one another. Iron sharpening iron. See what I'm saying? So that is a biblical way we can look at friendship, that we have people in our lives that, that are like that with us. Proverbs chapter 18. <clears throat> he didn't laugh at me when I was in the hospital, as far as I could tell. I was on a lot of drugs, so I don't know. I'd have to ask him. It's possible. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In other words, biblical friendship shows us that there can be people in our life that are that close to us. Again, support and care and encouragement and laughing together and, if necessary, crying together in life, right? That we go through things together. My prayer for you is that you have people in life that stick to you closer than a brother or sister. Now, here, here's sort of a contrast. Let's stay in Proverbs chapter number 19 and verse number 6. Now, watch this. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to the man who gives gifts. Okay, so that's, that's sort of a negative way of looking at what people consider friendship. So there is a danger to only having friendship with somebody who benefits you. In other words, it's a very selfish way of life that you're only friends with somebody who gives to you and not someone that may need you to give to them. And this giving is, it comes in all manners of life. But you can't help bear someone else's burden if you're just a taker. Friendship is a two-way street. See what I'm getting at? You ever have someone in your life that only call you when they need something? Uh-huh. You know why they call you? Because you're a good person. But why don't they call you any other time? See what I'm getting at? Don't be that kind of person. Learn that friendship, true friendship, is a two-way street. And there may be seasons that you are caring and bearing and helping bear the burden of your friend. But there may be seasons that you need it too. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. 
<laughs> so uh, one, one of the hardest things for me, I, I'm a very independent, do-it-myself kind of person, very much. I don't like to ask for help. When I went through what I went through, cancer and chemotherapy, I learned that I had to ask for help, and I hated it. I mean, literally, I would get winded and wiped out just folding the laundry. It would put me down for the night. And it sounds crazy, but it was true. I learned to lean on other people in a way that I've never had in my entire life. And it taught me a very valuable lesson. That I am one that is always giving. And it's the nature of my job, what I do, that you're always giving. I have to learn to be one that also allows people to give to me. So my friend Mark, it's funny, I just thought of this. My friend Mark, years ago, uh, he, he called me. And whatever we were talking about, there was something going on in our life. We had one of those rainy weeks where several different things happened. Car broke down, washer broke. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. But how many of you ever had one of those weeks where I was just, I was just telling him about it. And he said, hey, I'm going to drop a check in the mail to you. I said, no, you're not. Because his financial situation really wasn't any better than mine. I said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. I said, no, you're not. He goes, you can't stop me. I said, I'm going to send it back. He said, I'm still sending it. He said, hold on a second. Let me, let me ask you a question. Said, yeah. Have you ever preached on giving? I said, yeah. Why don't you listen to your own message? Because part of giving is learning how to receive. I said, Shut up, man. So, so he, he sent it. You see, I'm, you have to learn how to receive, too. So it's not just being somebody that's always taken from other people, uh, but in the positive way of seeing that, be someone that learns how to receive from others, too. Because how do you know that the Lord is not telling them to do it because the Lord is building and doing something in them and you're part of that process? See what I'm getting at? Learn how to receive, too. So if you, if you look at Acts chapter 24... In verse number 22, Acts chapter 24 and verse number 22, here, here's just a, a, a simple way of, of seeing what I'm saying. Acts 24, 22, but Felix, we won't get into who that guy was, having a rather adequate knowledge of the way, the way, what is the way? That was the early name for the Christian faith. Those who followed Jesus were considered to be part of what that's called the way. Put them off saying, when Lysias, the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. And this is all dealing with Paul. Then he gave orders to the centurion that Paul should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends, watch this, should be prevented from attending to his what? His needs. So Paul finds himself in custody, and, and the guy that's overseeing this sort of understood how the Christian faith worked, so he wanted to give Paul some liberty. That way when Paul's friends, yes, the apostle Paul had friends. And his friends were allowed to come to help him take care of his needs. Now, I would consider the apostle Paul to be a pretty independent guy. Strong. I don't know. But yet in his situation, there were people that were helping him. And the scriptures call them his friends. So friendship, a good friend, not only will allow to themselves to receive from somebody else, but when necessary, will take what is necessary to care for those that they are friends with. Again, this comes in a variety of ways. That's a good friend. 
Amen. That, that's why the, the, the Proverbs we just read, a man of many companions may come to ruin. Because if you're really life-giving that way, you can fry yourself out. Right? But the people in our life that we are knit with are the ones that we are helping live life. And here's an allusion to something I said earlier. Third John, first, second, and third John, towards the back of your New Testament. Third John and verse 15, there's only one. It was not even a chapter. It's not broken down at all by chapters. Third John and verse 15. The way uh, John ends this short letter, he says, peace be to you. Watch this. The friends greet you and greet the friends each by name. Now, that is an allusion to the gathering of the church overall. There's a denomination, there's one in our town called the Friends Church. They draw from those passages. It's a very good way of seeing the Christian faith. Again, one of the reasons we are brought together is so nobody is alone relationally. And in a general way, the body of Christ is in friendship with one another, in a very general way. So, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if I look around. I have never personally hung out outside of church with maybe some of you in this room. But we're still friends in the family of faith. Now, I've got to learn to live that way towards one another. Because what happens within that, then the church learns to care for each other overall. The church learns to help bear one another's burdens. So it's kind of like this. Uh, uh, let's, let's say I didn't know Laurie very well. I, do, I know Laurie, but let's say I don't know her well. But I understand that Laurie has a prayer need that comes up to the church. I am going to help bear Laurie's need because she's under the friendship of our church. That makes sense. Or somebody, somebody says Laurie needs a, a ramp builder in her house, and I'm free that Saturday. I can move my schedule around. I may not know her personally, but in the covering and the friendship of church, I may go help benefit her, Right? So, so you have these personal relationships you're knit with, but the body of believers can see through a friendship lens that we treat each other as a whole that way as you would your personal friends you're knit with. See what I'm getting at? So one of the scriptures that guides relationships, and you hear the scriptures at weddings mostly, but it's not talking about marriage. 1 Corinthians 13. See if I can remember it. Love is patient. I better go there. Love is kind. 1 Corinthians 13. I'll say them all, but I'll get them out of order probably. 13 and verse number 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable, not resentful, it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth, that uh, part of the, the translational and other doesn't keep a record of wrongs, but rejoices with the truth, 
Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or love never fails. See that? That is not a passage of Scripture talking about marriage. That's talking about relationships with people. It should be applied to your marriage, but it's how we're supposed to relate to each other. So I want you to think about this. So one of the questions I didn't say that's on this list is, how do I deal with conflict in friendships when things go bad or when there's hurt or whatever? I'll just preempt all this by saying, if we learn to do that, imagine all the kind of stuff that'll get fixed. You see what I'm saying? In our marriages, relationally, if we can learn to do that, can you imagine all the problems in marriages that would just kind of start snapping away a little bit? The gathering of the church, if we can just treat each other that way, imagine the unity in the body of Christ and the enemy can't come in and bring division and, and use offense to cause bitterness and all this kind of stuff that we see happen so much in the church. So when I think about my marriage, when I think about Paul, Mark, and some other guys, when I think about uh, the other guys that I have acquaintances with that I do things with, but I don't hang out with as much as I would Paul or, or when, if I see Mark, or when I come together in the church, if I learn, learn to live relationally guided by the scriptures, that's Christian, like that, that is when the mutual benefit of Christ in us brings us together in the bond of good, proper, and benefiting mutually together relationships. When we get outside of these things, that's when relationships go wrong. And there's nothing the enemy likes to do more than to bring hurt through a relationship, especially a close one. I, again, we could sit here and tell stories about the damage of people's lives because relationally something happened to them in their past and they're still carrying it today. How many know what I'm talking about? So, start thinking about your friendships. Are they guided scripturally? So I ran out of time, so our first question next Wednesday, do my friends have to be Christian? That's a big question. That's a can of worms. We're going to get into that next week. But just start thinking today and don't think about other people. Think about yourself. Do I live in my relationships guided by what it means to be a Christian in all things in my life? So in relationships, if we go by that last passage there, is my, is my relationship in the way I approach it, love is, uh, is I'm a patient, am I kind? Right? Not always, I'm not trying to get my way. I'm not keeping record of wrongs when people make a mistake. You go through that. Am I that, really that way? Or, or do I hold a grudge? Some of you guys have been sitting on a grudge for years. Years. I just saw a. a you know, I, I don't know why I come across these things. But I saw something. They were talking to this guy. What, what is your biggest regret in life to this point? And the guy said, I haven't talked to my son in, in, I don't know, it was five, six, seven years, something like that. They said, why? He goes, I don't even remember. Oh, my goodness. How many don't want to talk? Oh, my goodness. Something happened. It was probably very hurtful. 
but there wasn't a 1 Corinthians 13 response to it. You know what I'm getting at? We allow things to happen that change the course of our life in, in a negative way if only we will be guided by our faith principles. You see what I'm getting at? So, friendships. Think about how you are a friend. Think about how you are as a person who, do you pray for your friends? When you, when you hear of a need, do you ever go beyond your prayer? James talks about that. He's talking about in general in the church. He's like, you, you, you see the need of a brother or sister, you say, I'll pray for you. Good luck. I'll see you later. You'll make it. Jesus is with you. But there was a, a way you could have went beyond your prayer. Are, are you that way? Or, or, or are you a taker only? You only ever interact when you need something? Think about yourself. Don't think about the people you interact with. You can say, well, I'll tell you about that person. I'll tell you. It's not your job to change them. You're not the Holy Spirit. Change you. Change you. Work on you. That's true for your marriage. It's not your job to change your spouse. You work on you. Fritz isn't here. I don't know why you did that. But um. <laughs> live stream's going, what is going on in that place? Anyways. Now, your job to change people is your job to work with the Holy Spirit on you when you realize and come to conviction about stuff, right? Work on you. The Bible says even with an enemy, do kind things towards them because in the end you put burning coals on their head. There's a conviction that comes to people when you start to live right. Amen? By the way, part of relationships, we're going to talk about enemies and people you're opposed to and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's part of relational living in our world. That's a topic we'll get to. Amen. All right, so we'll stop there. We'll keep on with friendship next week. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. You'll come together, get in your word, talk about this topic together. I pray that we're growing in you so we can learn how to grow in love towards others. That we're growing in you and you're showing us and leading us and guiding us by your spirit and how we interact and live towards other people. Lord, thank you for saving us. But I pray our salvation isn't just some sort of personal thing that we tuck away, but it's how we learn how to live life in the midst of the world that we live in, our, our relationships, our acquaintances, the people we run into, the people we work with, all these different kind of things, Lord, that were proper in our life for you. And I thank you for that. Help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name, everybody says Amen. All right. Well, invite somebody out Friday night, 6 p.m., 6 to 8, Sunday morning, 10, breakfast before. We're excited to be with you this weekend. Love you all. Have a very good end of the week.